And I want to share with you some things uh, that are going to help you to get to the next level. I read a quote not too long ago where Mary Tyler Moore said uh, that you cannot be brave and only have wonderful things happen to you. That if you're ever going to do anything worth doing, you're going to have to struggle. And, and you're looking at a kid right now who was born in Gary, Indiana, to a mother who made $7 an hour working at Taco Bell raising four kids. Now, if you don't think that that part of the story uh, is atrocious, let me give you uh, the nuts and bolts of it. My father was the pastor of the church that I attended, uh, and he was my father, and I didn't even know it. Uh, I, I looked at him as a hero, and I listened to him preach every Sunday morning, and, and I wished that, not knowing my father, I wished that he was my father. And one day, my mother called us in the living room because I kept asking her, who's responsible for me being here? Who's this other person that helped you uh, to, to get me here? Hopefully, it wasn't Pastor Andy. <laughs> But who's this guy that's responsible for bringing me into the world? And uh, she sat me down and she said, I'm going to tell you something. The pastor of the church is your father. And, um, and so I met with him at the age of 12, found out he was my father, and I asked him, I said, uh, are you my father? He said, yes. I said, when were you going to tell me? He said, eventually. I said, okay, well, um, you know, it hurts me to know that you don't claim me as your son. I said, uh, is there any future in that? He looked me right in my face and he told me, if it hurts for you uh, to not be claimed by me as your father, then I suggest that you go to another church. And so after he said that to me, I began to be resentful and I began to be angry. And as a young man, I became frustrated. And I did all the things that troubled kids would do. Uh, but I, I, I found a way. Um, and I'm 36 years old. And I started that church with 100 people. And it has grown to, to nearly 8,000 in seven years. And, and my wife and I have started businesses. I've got a tax corporation in eight different cities. And we've got pharmacies. And we've got, uh, I've just, I was just on the phone uh, on the way here on the plane talking about a $4.6 million construction project. How do you go? How do you go from having a mother who makes $7 an hour working at Taco Bell, not knowing who your father is, living in a two-bedroom apartment that doesn't even equal 700 square feet, to having millions of dollars in real estate, to being effective, and, and, and actually uh, being mentored by, by one of our speakers today, uh, who's going to speak today, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and give a round of applause for him as he comes. I want to talk to you about something because this is very important that for those of you all who are going through adversity right now, I've discovered in my life that there are at least five secrets hidden in every adversity. And let me tell you something. Don't be angry. Don't be upset about what's going on in your life right now because let me tell you something that you should never forget. You will be born looking like your parents, but you will die looking like your decisions. And what you decide between now and where you're going will decide how you look and determine how you look when you get out of this place called earth and you go into the next level of your life. The first thing that adversity teaches you is discovery. Everybody shout discovery. The first thing you have to do when you're going through adversity is to discover yourself. If you go uh, to the ancient areas of, the, uh, of, of, of Philistine, you would find out uh, that there is a valley there called the Ajalon Valley, and it is the most important valley uh, to the Sepala area of those, of those regions and mountains. It's, it's the most, it's, it has the most water, it has the most mountainous ranges, it has the conduit, it is the most important valley in the area. But the most famous valley in the area is the Valley of Elah. Now, I ask myself, how is one 
one more important but not as famous. Then I was able to recognize that most of the wars that have been fought in the world have been fought in this valley. This is actually the same valley where David and Goliath fought, the valley of Elah. And so I discovered something that you need to understand, and that is that adversity is the only thing that will make you famous. That just because you are not being discussed doesn't mean you won't be discovered. I was in Orlando, Florida not too long ago. I would say about 10 years ago, and I was sitting there with my wife. She was eight months pregnant, not by Pastor Andy. She was eight months pregnant with our youngest daughter, and, and uh, we were sitting in a restaurant, and my wife said, look, 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 look over there. I said, yeah, I see it. She said, do you know who that is? I said, yeah. She said, that's Bishop T.D. Jakes. She said, you ought to go speak to him. I said, I'm not going to speak to him. She said, why not? I said, it's because he's eating, and it's rude to talk to people who are eating. I told her, I ain't nobody, and I don't want nobody talking to me when I'm eating. So she said, you ought to go talk to him. I said, I'm not going to talk to him. So she said, just like every, and my wife, she's, she's about five something, and, and she light-skinned, and she thinks she's tough. Anybody know anybody like that? So she's little, but she's big, right? And she said, okay, well, you know, whatever. And whenever a black woman says whatever, it means whatever. So she says whatever, and I said, okay, I don't speak to him. And then Bishop Jakes comes, and I'm on my way out of the restaurant, and Bishop Jakes says, hey, you, come here. Turn around, and I said, who, me? He said, yeah. He said, you've been asking God to meet me, haven't you? I said, yes, sir. He says, I'll deal with you, but don't waste my time. And he walked out of the restaurant, and I'm walking around like, yes, Bishop Jakes told me to call him. Yes, I'm, uh, um, how do you call somebody who didn't give you a phone number? (laughs) So I went from being excited to being depressed, and then I said, okay, I'm going to find a way. Somebody say, where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. So I went and I found somebody. I found his lawyer and I told his lawyer, I said, Bishop Jakes told me to call him and tell him the tall, bald head, light-skinned, skinny guy that had the black jacket on and he had on a white suit. I explained everything and I said, he told me to call him and I'm trying to get in touch with him. He says, okay, I will let him know exactly what you said. He tells him, somehow, my wife and I are now sitting in another room just like this, listening to a person talk. He's a very wealthy man. He, he makes about $2 million every 15 days. And he's sitting there, and he's telling us, and my wife and I are on the front row, and he looks at me, and he says, whenever somebody's talking to you that has something that you want, you should listen to them. You shouldn't be on the phone. You shouldn't be talking to anybody. If he's talking to you, you shut up. So that's exactly what I did. And then my phone rings. And I check it, and it looks like a Dallas phone number. I said, baby, I think this is Bishop T.D. Jakes calling me. But he just said, don't move. What should I do? She said, fool, get up. I got up, and I ran out, and I answered the phone. And he says, this is Bishop T.D. Jakes. I remember you from the restaurant. I just went online, and I listened to one of your sermons. And if I was preaching it, this is what I would have said. And he spent the next 30 minutes preaching my sermon to me. But what I offer to you for subjection is that had my father not rejected me, my spiritual father would have never found me because your adversity makes you discoverable. 
I want everybody in here to know that it is the thing that you don't want. It is the thing that is hurting you right now that is going to set you up to be discovered by somebody who has what you want, by somebody who can take you to where you need to be, and somebody who will see the raw potential in you and say it doesn't matter who dropped you, it doesn't matter who rejected you, and it doesn't matter who ignored you. It is because they rejected you, it is because they ignored you that I am now paying attention to you. Now, act like you're a church and give your neighbor a high five and say, God is sending somebody my way. So God will send somebody to discover you. But as God sends somebody to discover you, the next thing you're going to find in adversity is it teaches you how to make good decisions. I told you this is the valley of Eli. Everybody say Eli. David and Goliath are fighting in this valley. And whenever you are fighting in a valley, you've got two decisions. Do you fold or do you stand up? Do you follow the rules or do you follow your instincts? Do you say or do what they say you should do or what the circumstances dictate or do you say to yourself, come hell or high water, I am going to perform no matter what I am facing. David is a little boy looking at a big giant and he's got a decision to make. And his decision is, what artillery do I fight this guy with? Now, Goliath came ready to fight somebody who had Fought, who he had fought before because he comes, with, he comes with, with shin guards on, with a breastplate. He's got all of this armor on, and here it is. He gets hit in the forehead, which lets me know he didn't make a good decision because he had his entire body covered except for his head. And it is the worst thing to do whenever you're starting a business, writing a book, starting a company. Why cover everything except for your head? You have insurance on the car, you have insurance on the building, you have insurance on the process, you have all of that, but your head will be exposed. And I'm telling you, when you're going through adversity, if there is one thing you must do is cover your head. You got to make sure you don't allow the wrong people to speak to you. You got to make sure you don't allow the wrong influences in you. I was in South Africa the other day, and I was on Robben Island, and they had a cannon on there, and I asked them what the cannon was for there in South Africa, and they said it was to keep enemies off of the island when the prisoners was in prison. And he says, but whenever we sound this alarm, we tell everybody on the island to open their mouth, because if we shoot this gun when their mouth is closed, then the sound of the gun will blow their eardrums. And so that's what life tries to do. Life can affect your ears by shutting your mouth. But if you want to protect your head, you got to open up your mouth and you got to begin to speak positive when things look negative. You've got to make sure that you talk to yourself even when other people are saying negative things to you. And let me tell you something else. Whatever you do, decide who you are before trouble comes. Don't let trouble tell you who you are. Don't let money tell you what you cannot do. Don't let your circumstances tell you where you cannot go. Everybody shout, I can do it. Come on, say it again. Shout, I can do it. I don't care if your father didn't raise you. You can do it. I don't care if you don't have the capital. You can do it. I don't care if the bank won't give you the loan. You can do it because if you get started, life has a way of sending you the resources and the opportunities to achieve everything your giant is trying to knock out of you. So I tell every person in here, if you don't have money, all you need is a rock and a rag. And if you get your rock and your rag, you can knock anything down that you ever face, anything that's bigger than you, anything that towers over you, or anything that stands over you. If you have the courage, you can knock it down. Somebody say, make good decisions. 
So number one, you got to discover. Number two, you got to make decisions. The third thing you got to do is understand that no matter how good you are, everybody has a deficiency. Everybody has a deficiency. There was a guy, the tallest man ever lived. His name was Robert Wadlow. He died at 8 feet 11 inches. They said that when he died, he was still growing, which means in the casket, he probably reached 9 inches. See, because there is, there is a disease that most giants have called acromegaly, and what it does is it sends too many growth hormones to adults, and, and, and it, it comes from the pituitary gland. And one of the side effects of acromegaly is that there are tumors that grow around the nerve endings of the eye, and it gives you either cloudy vision or double vision. Now, I'm realizing something. When I read the scripture and it talked about David and Goliath, the Bible says that Goliath was led down to the war by an attendant. I asked myself, why does a man with a sword and, and sheaves and guards, why in the world does he need anybody to lead him down to the battlefield? Then when we look at this agromegaly, we probably recognize that Goliath either had cloudy vision or double vision. So the same thing that made him big also made him blind. <laughs> so, so you got a guy, he's big and he's huge, but he's got a deficiency, and everybody in here has a deficiency. And let me tell every entrepreneur and every CEO in here and every author, you've got to be careful when you're going after destiny because the same thing that drives you can also kill you. That the same drive that keeps you motivated to open the company can be the same reason why your wife leaves you because you won't pay her any attention. That if you're not careful, the same thing that makes you big will make you blind. That your drive will make you start to neglect the things that matter. That your drive will cause you to lose the things that you're fighting for. And you will say you're doing it for your children. But what good is it to do for your children when they don't know who you are when you achieve the goal? You've got to be careful that the same thing that makes you big won't be the same thing that makes you blind. Then you've got the power of difference. Everybody say, I'm different. You know, people don't pay you to be similar. People pay you to be different. McDonald's says, hey, we'll get your order out in 30 seconds or less. Burger King says, we're not going to rush it, but you can have it your way. <laughs> How many of you know the lines at Burger King are way longer than, but, but they, both, they both sell hamburgers, but, but one is different than the other. If you're ever going to achieve your passion, you got to find out what makes you different. Stop trying to find out what makes you similar to somebody else and just find out that small thing that makes you different than everybody. You may bake cookies, but you get your chocolate from Venezuela. I don't know. Whatever it is, you just got to find out what it is that you do difference. Now, if you were to take up all of the wars that have happened in the world over the last 200 years, 70% of the time, the larger country always defeats the smaller country. Okay? That means that all of the wars over the last 200 years, the larger country wins, the smaller country loses. Smaller country wins 30% of the time, larger company wins 70% of the time. But when the smaller country changes the rules, the winning percentage goes up from 30% to 65%. Do you understand why Vietnam gave America so much trouble? Because they changed the rules. 
Do you understand why ISIS is such a formidable foe? They don't have soldiers. They don't have tanks. They don't have the things American has, but they have changed the rules. They don't have the things that Canadians have. They don't have the things that the Europeans have. No, they use used weapons, but they've changed the rules. And whenever you change the rules, you can beat a giant. Yo, you, somebody just got that. I just heard about three. See, whenever you fight a giant in his armor, you will lose. When you change the rules to the game, then you increase your winning percentage. Let me give you an example. In 1908, when the Arabs revolted against the Turks, the Arab artillery consisted of one rifle, 100 bullets, and one pint of water. While on the other side of the spectrum, the Turks had intelligence, tanks, technology. And you would assume that the Arabs were at a disadvantage and the Turks were at an advantage. But when you look at history, you find out that the Arabs killed 1,200 Turks and that the Turks only killed two Arabs. The Arabs were small in number, but they were big in strategy. You can beat a giant if you would change the strategy. If you'll have a system, everybody say system. This is my definition of a system. A system, S-Y-S-T-E-M. You know you have a good system when it saves you stress, time, energy, and money. That's how you know you have a good system. It saves you stress, time, energy, and money. And let me tell you, size is not a strategy. How much money you make is not as important as how you spend the money you make. Did you know that 70% of the people who win the lottery are broke in two to five years? So that proves to you that money is not the answer, it's the strategy. It's if, if you were to get an extra $10 million today and you keep your old habits, you will spend $10 million like you spend $10,000. So you got to make sure that you find out, you've got to make sure that you find out your difference. Here's the last thing that you've got to understand, all right? The, the last thing that you find in your adversities is you can find out what it is that you can do. Somebody say, what can I do? David was small. Goliath was big. Goliath had a sword and a shield and a helmet, and he just left this one part open. This was the only thing he had exposed, and he just so happened to be fighting with somebody who could hit that spot from 200 yards away. And he just so happened to be fighting somebody who knew what they could do. Goliath refused to even fight. Excuse me, David refused to even fight in Goliath's clothes. He says, I don't even want your armor. I'm going to use what I have, and I'm going to take this rock, and I'm going to take this rag, and I'm going to hit you in the only portion of you that is exposed. I want to encourage every person in this room to find the soft spot in your adversity. Find that small window, that small opening, because I'm telling you, it is not about the whole thing, and you don't have to tackle Goliath. You don't even have to get close enough to him because he cannot see you because of his deficiency. You can hit your target from right where you are if you'll do what you do. So I want everybody here to say, do what you can do. Come on, say it like you mean it. Do what you can do. I don't want you to try to be big because some people can't be big when small has them. You've got to make sure that you use what you have to get what you want. I want you to use what's in your mind. I want you to use what's in your hand. I want you to use what's at your disposal, and I want you to leave this place today encouraged for the journey to make sure that you can achieve all of the dreams that you have in mind. And here's a scripture that I love to say, that you should be not weary in well-doing, for you will reap a harvest 
if you faint not. Only 3% of you will leave this room today and do what anybody on this stage said. Only 3%. I'm just trying to find out who are you? Who are you? I want, I want the 3% to jump on your feet right now. Matter of fact, and I just want you to look at the person standing beside you and say, I'm in the 3%. Tell them, I don't mean to be arrogant, but I'm in the 3%. And tell them, if you don't want your stuff, I'll take it. Because where I'm going, I'm going to need everything that God has for me. How many of y'all believe you're going to the next level? Listen, my name is Keon Henderson. Thank you so much, Power of Success. Thank you, Toronto. I'll see you next time. God bless you.